My name is Elizabeth Evans, and I'm a homeschooling mom to four kids, ages two through nine, and we are learning how to make joy normal. My name is Bonnie Landry, and I want to welcome you to season two of our podcast, Make Joy Normal. I am a wife, I'm a mom, I'm a grandma. I've been homeschooling for 30 years. My kids are ages 14 to 33. I only have one at home now. I'm a speaker, a writer, a blogger, and I guess we're podcasters now, Elizabeth. (laughs) I'm an advocate of joy, so welcome to our podcast. Hey, good evening, Elizabeth. Hi. I, uh, Elizabeth and I celebrated our one-year anniversary last week. Uh, well, I guess it's a week and a half ago now, May 11th, where our first episode in 2020 came out. So that's kind of big news. It doesn't really feel like it's been a year. I know, it doesn't. Yeah, so here we are. It doesn't feel like a year, and yet I feel like I've known you for a very long time. Oh, good. Good. So we have some questions around the topic of prepping for next year, right? I sat down to actually just come up with a supply list for myself for next year, right? Yeah. And I realized, gosh, apart from like pencils, I, (laughs) I didn't know what to put down. And it's one of those things where I feel like, you know, a month into school, it's like, oh, wait, I wish I would have had this, but I can't just run out and get it. So I figured maybe we could talk about how to prep the classroom, the homeschool classroom for the year. Right, right. Yeah, that's actually a really good idea. Okay, so do you have a series of questions then or? Yeah, I have a couple. And so I guess this is a topic I can launch on pretty, pretty well. (laughs) Good. (laughs) So I guess the, the main question is what are some basic supplies you make sure to have on hand for your school year? For me, I always make sure what I, the things I have lots of, like I think the things that are inexpensive and you use a lot of, you might as well just have extras of, right? And I'm not a, I don't usually have a lot of extra stuff that I don't need. However, it's a real bummer to be doing your schoolwork or to have the kids have an idea of something that they want to do and not have the, the stuff for it, right? So right. in that in my mind, that would be pencils, pencil sharpeners, uh, paper, loose leaf paper, notebooks, pens, erasers, that kind of thing. Uh, I would also tend to have my different kids over the years have liked different styles of pens or pencils. And I know how important that is. I, I'm very particular about how a pen or pencil feels in my hand and on the paper. If I know that they're very specifically want a certain type of pen or pencil, I make sure I have that. Pens and pencils aren't expensive. They're not an expensive mm-hmm. item. So to have a half a dozen or 10 you know, to get you through the school year of your certain type of pencil or pen that you like. It just to me, it makes all the difference. The other thing that I always make sure, I always make sure I have four or five packets of loose leaf paper, right? Because we go through loose leaf paper and the notebooks, right? The full size ones and the smaller sized ones like that I use for dictation. Mm-hmm. I always spend the extra money and get the thick loose leaf paper, because it's so much nicer to write on. My son-in-law actually said to me, if I had had this kind of paper in school, I would have loved school so much better. (laughs) (laughs) But you know, there's a huge difference between heavyweight loose leaf paper and the cheap, you know, dollar store type loose leaf paper. So I think that makes a big difference for your your day-to-day. So something that you're using all the time, I think it makes a big difference to spend the extra couple bucks and get... Uh, get a really good quality paper, right? Now, with kids your age, probably not going through a lot of loose leaf. That's, we went through more in 
high schools. So then just briefly about the loose leaf paper, what, what purposes do those serve? And do you have binders for your kids to put that in? Mm-hmm. So basically the loose leaf paper they're using to write, you know, any writing projects that they do, they're using okay. that paper for. So in high school, they end up going through a fair bit of loose leaf paper, right? Right. So nice to have something that feels really good. The other thing that I always make sure I have lots of things like, or, you know, a few of anyways, is things like rulers, math tools, you know, a couple of sets of math tools, calculators. You can buy little calculators for five bucks. So why not have two or three calculators so that kids don't have to wait for somebody to finish with the calculator. They can just go grab, have a little store of them. Those kinds of things, those kinds of basics were really important to me to have on hand. Anything that we use on a on a daily basis. The other thing that I would say was important to me when my kids were younger was things that they could do while I was reading to them. Fresh stock of Play-Doh, some nice Crayola felt pens, you know, the washable felt pens that they could draw while I was reading to them or whatever else they happened to be into at any particular time that I could just pull those things out while we were reading and not searching for something for them to do while we read to kind of keep them, keep their interest with, with the younger ones. Well, that was actually another part of my question was suggestions for, you know, what do you have on hand for like the toddlers in the family? You know, we've talked before that in my home we have kinetic sand, but my daughter actually does not like it. Any suggestions for other things for that toddlers? Keep them to... busy while you're reading yeah. or schoolwork or whatever. I always, I think I've told you this before, but I always kept the toddlers corralled, right? So when I was doing schoolwork with the kids, I wanted to make sure that I wasn't being pulled away by them being somewhere where I couldn't see them. Mm-hmm. So I kept a fairly small area. I sort of have a a kitchen and then an eating area in my kitchen place I do sit down work with my kids is there and the place where we read together our kitchen table is also there and then I would block off the doors right like put those little hooks and eyes up high to keep the doors closed or put baby gates up it's not how it was all the time but certainly while I was trying to get schoolwork done I tried to keep it a fairly small area so that I could have my finger on the pulse right that just made my life so much easier to to corral the kids like that yeah. and know they weren't getting into stuff and they were safe and everything else. In that area, I would always have a basket of toys, of course, you know, whatever was, you know, kind of the toy of the interest of the toddlers of that time. So it might be dollies or plastic animals. We, oh my gosh, do you know the Schleich plastic animals? They're like a, a really good quality. I think they're German made plastic animals okay. and they range like they're expensive but we would collect you know slowly over the years that are they're three or four dollars each the nice thing about them as opposed to sort of the package of dollar store farm animals jungle animals or whatever that you get these are one of our most played with toys and my grandchildren are doing the same thing they love the plastic animals mm-hmm. they stand up really nice they're kind of heavy heavy plastic and they're they're really detailed and accurate my kids played with those so much and so there's all the farm animals and there's all the jungle animals and there's all the wild animals of the sort of local area. Really, really beautiful uh, animals. They always have a basket of, of animals that they could play with mm-hmm. and often a little Playmobil guys as well. So a basket that had the Playmobil guys and horses or ladies in it or whatever. Play-Doh, that was always a really big hit for my kids when they were small, just to pour out Play-Doh on the table or something like a rice tray, a 
plastic container or a cookie sheet or something with some rice poured on it. Now, you know, it's going to make mess. Right. But if you're trying to buy 15 minutes. Another thing that my toddlers really liked to do was to stand at the sink on a stool and play with bubbles. So I'd fill up a bubble, you know, just a few inches of water, but then they have the sink be all bubbly. So they could just stand. If, if they were safe to stand on a stool on their own, then I could read to the kids and they'd be playing with the bubbles. Often that was what I did also when I was making dinner, right? Just plunk the yeah. toddler beside me and they'd play in the bubbles while I eat dinner, right? So those things are all, uh, were all really helpful. I also found that my little kids like to have a book that looked like their older kids' books mm -hmm. and some sort of pen. And so they could do their, their schoolwork and sit there in color with a felt pen or something so that felt like they were part of a part of the thing that was going on. In kind of preparation for not only my school year, but this episode, I was looking online to see kind of what other families prep for their homeschool year. And I came across a mom suggested beeswax Play-Doh. So it's not Play-Doh. It's actually like moldable beeswax. And I, I know like sometimes people can be sensitive to the smell of Play-Doh. And so this would be appealing in that there's no right. scent to it. Right. But it's on Amazon and we could actually probably link it in the show okay. notes. Sounds but good. maybe this year we'd try it. Oh, the other thing we loved when our kids were small was wiki sticks. And they are beeswax coated string that you can just form into shape. Be equivalent to say like a pipe cleaner in, yeah. in terms of what you can do with them. And they're mm -hmm. brightly colored and low mess, uh, a low mess item. Uh, but they were great. Our kids loved them. They were often a traveling toy as well. We would take a, get a brand new package of wiki sticks to take in a, on a car trip or something. And then the kids would, you know, they would keep them busy for an hour sort of thing, right? And sometimes That's they just great. formed them into a giant ball. <laughs> yeah. They'd also make animal shapes or whatever, letter shapes, yeah. I think we got some of those for Christmas. They didn't last long in our house. But I see the appeal. I think... <laughs> I think they would last long for my daughter, not my sons. <laughs> yeah, that's a thing, right? And different personalities. When my girls were young, I had a little bowl. It was only about four or five inches across, but it was like a reading bowl. Mm -hmm. And I would bring it out only when I read to them. So okay. it was always really special. And it had like, they were girls. So, you know, it had fancy little plastic gems in it and, you know, maybe little animals or, you know, just various little things that were kind of treasures. And I would just put it on the table and then they could do whatever they wanted with it or, or broken pieces of chain and things like that, like necklace pieces. They just loved playing with that sort of stuff. And it was kind of a quiet activity. So that was, it's kind of fun to have a little reading bowl, your right. reading basket that this only comes out when we read. Where do you store these kinds of things? For people that maybe don't have a lot of space, how do you mm. organize and store stuff so that it's hidden but not taking up too much? Okay, so I'm, I could talk about this for an hour, just so you know, <laughs> if you want to veer off into another question. So I always had a dedicated area that was for, that was toddler safe. Okay. Because it's so frustrating to sit down to do your schoolwork and not be able to find your stuff. I would have a couple of those, you know, the Billy bookshelves. I always had a Billy bookshelf nearby where I worked, like a tall one. And the top mm -hmm. couple of shelves were always where we kept the stuff we used every day. In one house, I had actually a kitchen cupboard that was, I didn't have a place to put a shelf. So I had a kitchen cupboard that I emptied out and the school stuff went in there because it was really important that when you, mm -hmm. when you need it. Whoops. So the, I have found the most effective way to store stuff. And I'll put a, I think I have a blog post about this. So I'll put it in the show notes. There are a lidded pencil box 
and they come in a variety of sizes and shapes. They're all rectangular, but some of them are, say, maybe only six inches long. Some of them are 12 inches long. Some of them would, you know, say eight or nine inches wide. Some of them would be four or five inches wide. A variety of sizes, but they stack. The lid is hinged on one side, so you never lose the lid. Here's my problem, and I did this over and over again, buying little like shoebox type things that have a lid and then losing the lid or somebody stands on the lid and breaks it or whatever. With these little clip boxes, you can't lose the lid and you okay. can stack them and you can label them on both ends. So it doesn't matter which way you put them away. It says pencil on both and pencils on both ends. So you yeah. always know where they are and you can stack, you know, they're maybe about two or three inches deep. So you can stack quite a few things. So I would have pens, pencils, sticky things. Maybe one would have like post-it notes and, you know, that kind of stuff in it, stationary. And I just stack them on top. I've probably got at least six of them down in my school area that I keep things in. And then I always also keep things like first aid supplies in them. So I have, you know, band-aids in one, ointments in one, homeopathics in one. It's, it makes such good use of your space if you can stack things. Sure. Yeah. You know, and then they're easy to pull out, pop open, put back again. Yeah. So those were point, those yeah. are pretty life changing. I think the other thing that we need to be really aware of in terms of storing stuff is first of all, make sure it's toddler safe. Make sure it goes back in the same place all the time. That's really important. Right. But the other thing too to keep with those things is like say the book you're reading or the poetry book you're using for dictation. Make sure you know where your stuff is and train mm -hmm. yourself to put put the stuff back where it belongs. There's things like you could put uh, things in like a dish pan and have that up on a shelf. So you could have one or two kids stuff all in one dish pan. So you just pull that out when you need it, use the stuff, put it all back. And we have to set that example for our kids to right? stuff back where it belongs because you don't mm -hmm. can't find it if you don't. You can't train ourselves to do it. Then it's really hard to train our kids to do it, right? So I feel like our kind of essential homeschooling stuff, I could usually fit on say two bookshelves or okay. one kitchen cupboard. If I had in excess of that, like say I was stocking up on something, I would probably keep it in my storage room. In general, I keep my, my stuff sort of where I need it yeah. the most. I guess I also think about, I know you've talked before about how you always keep your things nearby where you're doing your work. So for people that live in areas, in homes that are maybe too small to have a specific homeschool area, do you just suggest they they bring it to them each day, maybe in a storage bin or something? Yeah, that would certainly be a good option. I don't have a separate school area. Okay. I, I just feel my own philosophy on that is just that I want education to be part of our everyday life. The idea of having a dedicated school area wasn't appealing to me personally because I wanted it to be what we do. Uh, and I've had, depending on where we've lived, I've had different types of space. I found in general, one narrow Billy bookshelf was kind of enough for me to house the things I was going to be using for this year. So the stuff I want to keep safe from toddlers, I'm going to keep up high. And then down below, I would have my books the kids are reading or my encyclopedias or, or whatever. And by Billy Bookshelf, are you referring to Ikea? Oh, Ikea, yeah. Bookshelf? Doesn't everybody yeah. know? I, I mean, everybody speaks Ikea. Just maybe. in case, right. Yeah, just in case. <laughs> I love Ikea. Yeah. <laughs> it's same. a good job I don't have Ikea near me. I have to go to the mainland to get to go to an Ikea. So it's limited. Oh, yeah. it's very Our limited. closest one is like an hour and a half away. So. Yeah, that's, yeah, ours is a ferry right away. So that's good. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> oh, if it's a ferry right away and you get furniture, how does that work? 
Is it you a ferry where you have your car? You have to take your truck. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All they're right. big ferries. Yeah. Okay. Anything going from here to the mainland is a big, is a big ferry. Do you have other questions? I do. I have one yeah. that I, I felt would be prudent to talk about. So it's not necessarily about planning for the homeschool year, but it pertains to the day to day. So one thing my kids struggle with are getting snacks that kind of sustain them and give them that brain energy. So I was wondering if maybe briefly we could talk about, you know, any suggestions for good foods to have for that mid-morning snack to kind of boost them again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think we've we've had some conversations about snacks in the past. I think that was yeah, that's been on the podcast. But Oh no, I actually on Martha Martha, the other podcast that I have, yeah. I have a whole I do a whole couple of episodes just on snacks. So if you're guys are so interested, funny. look up snacks on Martha Martha. Basically, I had this personal attitude about snacks. You know, you spend a lot of time in a kitchen as a mom. And yeah. so the idea of of getting snacks ready just was I don't know, unappealing to me because I always felt like I was spending so much time in the kitchen anyway. So when my girls were young, I, I always had a fruit bowl and they were allowed to help themselves. They could have anything out of the fruit bowl. I always made sure it was nicely stocked, you know, grapes and apples and, you know, good, good stuff for them. As long as I didn't have to be involved in the snack, <laughs> they were allowed to help themselves. They could have as much fruit as they wanted to. So that was one way of dealing with that. When the boys came along, fruit wouldn't sustain them. And so Part of the reason have, I'm asking this. Yeah. And I mean, I always made sure they had good protein at lunch, but but it just wouldn't sustain them between meals. You know, they were hungry every hour. I started what I called, I still have one actually, it's called a snack basket. And so I'd put things in it like granola bars and beef jerky and pepperoni sticks and yeah. that sort of thing. And they could still, same rules, they could still just help themselves. If they need a snack, just go get a snack. I don't want to be involved in preparing a snack, but I had to keep right. some protein snacks, trail mix, you know, almonds. Often if I put out a snack uh, or even with lunches, I often would put out almonds or nuts or trail mix with our lunch, just kind of as mm -hmm. an added little boost of protein. Because even when they were actually done their lunch, maybe they finished a sandwich or something, they would sit and snack on nuts. And that was really good because then, you know, you know the protein's going to sustain them for a while, right? Our problem in our house is, you know, I, I've heard about the fruit is free, right? So you can get fruit anytime. If we did that, we shop on on Sundays after mass because that's, well, Saturdays and Sundays. Our fruit would be gone by Monday if we did that. <laughs> and it doesn't fill them up. And also yeah. my craving is fruit right now. So I'm a little selfish. And, <laughs> you know, so I've tried to branch out. I got trail mix at one point and they left like all the nuts and seeds and right. only ate, you know, the M&Ms, right? right? And um, we, I've tried the baby bell, like those little circles. I was just going to suggest that. Yeah. Those little teases. Yeah. Yep. No, my daughter got a hold of, she just likes opening them. So I didn't know right. she got a hold of them and she took them into the living room, opened them all up. <laughs> and I went in hours later to find cheese all over, gone bad. Right. You know, and it's like, I feel like I keep trying things or I'll get granola bars with so much sugar in them. Yeah. And, you know, like that just doesn't work for my my kids that. 
Yeah, exactly. It's a lot of granola <sighs> bars are just like a commercial cookie. You have to sort of be careful. Those pepperoni sticks were actually a big hit with my kids, especially as yeah. they got older. Choose mm -hmm. chewing on our, our beef jerky right then. When my boys got old enough, they just started cooking their own stuff. As long as they cleaned up the mess three yeah. in the afternoon or whatever and supper was two hours away they would fry eggs right they get a lot of eggs hard-boiled eggs yeah. actually is a really good thing obviously they have to go in the fridge sure. but that's also a really good snack if kids will eat them mine will eat them but they leave the yolk unless it's a deviled egg then it's somehow fine to eat yeah twice a week you could boil up a dozen eggs chop it all mix mayonnaise in it and you know and have deviled egg so that you know, even if you're, if your kids are young, you still have to be a little bit involved. You're not very involved. The right. work's already done. Another thing that we did, and this usually went out with lunches, is I would chop up a whole bunch of vegetables at the beginning of the week. Because otherwise we wouldn't eat, and I felt like we wouldn't eat enough vegetables. But if I had a, a whole bowl full of raw vegetables sitting in water, I could just pull some out and put that out with our lunches or whatever, right? Or they could have that for snacks as well. Yeah. Um, Nine-year-old actually can make deviled eggs. So he'll do that awesome. on a whim sometimes. And I think a lot of the times it's my kids think it's kind of weird to have just scrambled eggs or something halfway through the day. Like right. sometimes they'll do fried eggs for lunch, which is good, but it, it's, I feel like eating is, they're asking me all day for food. We just do breakfast, a snack, lunch, a snack and dinner. And like, right. that's it. And I feel like all day long, I'm hungry. What can I have? And I'm like, sorry, <laughs> you just had a snack and you chose a poor snack. So now you have to wait. Right. <laughs> but then I pay for that. Decision. Yeah. Okay. And I know there's different philosophies. We, I know a mom who doesn't do snacks at all. She just feels that kids should eat at meals and they should learn to eat enough and she doesn't do snacks. You know, and I mean, I suppose kids just adapt to that. For me, it was more just about the prep. I just didn't want to be prepping all the time, right? Oh, so you right. have to sort of find ways of, of doing that. Another really good snack, I mean, it sounds kind of weird, I suppose, but another really good snack is just cold meat, like cold chicken, you know, yeah. chopped in little bits. Or cold, you know, cube, cubes of cheese chopped in a little bit, you know. But mm -hmm. is if we can do that ahead of time, it's kind of the idea of getting ahead of it. Right. Rather than always feeling like, oh my gosh, you need a snack. That, that there's just something there that they can right. eat. So you don't have to be, you know, thinking about it or, or pulling yourself away from other things that, you know, the great big laundry list that every mother has of the things right. she needs to do in a day. If we can get ahead of it and do some pre-planning. I think that's really helpful. You know, rice is also, I can't really get my kids to eat rice outside of just meals, dinner right. meals. Rice is really good in that it just really fills you up with just salt and pepper and rice, sometimes cheese, yeah. even cilantro lime rice is really good by itself. But again, yeah. I can't get my kids to eat right. that. <laughs> it doesn't help me, but maybe it'll help somebody else. Yeah, exactly. I mean, having having things that your kids can sort of help themselves with primarily, obviously, if your kids are small, that's not that's not going to work out. When I had my, I think my third baby, I had a setup. So I had a pan, kind of a pull out pantry. And mm -hmm. I put food in the bottom of the pantry, like wouldn't necessarily have to get up and get them breakfast if they wanted to that if I was nursing the baby or whatever, they could get up and help themselves yeah. to a certain amount of things, rice cake, few things that were sort of in the bottom of this cupboard. I think some pre-planning with snacks and with other things about prepping for homeschooling. I think it's one of the 
the areas. Can I kind of go back to the whole idea of prepping for the next year for a minute? Yeah, yeah. Getting ahead of it, getting a sort of thinking about what your needs might be just really saves saves a lot of trouble in the long run. And one of the things I think that's really important about getting ready for next year is also sort of thinking about, okay, well, how can I get ahead of things? You know, how can I start my year kind of getting ahead of things? So one of those things might be just thinking about, okay, well, how does my day roll? Where are the difficulties in my day? Where am I finding I'm getting bogged down the most? Sure. So a lot of times that's looking for things, uh, preparing meals, dealing with fighting or bickering. You know, those are the, often the things that really bog us down in the day. Okay, how can I get ahead of those things? So spend summer, mostly we often spend, starting about now, really most parents are starting to think about next year now. Instead of thinking about what curriculum you want to buy, how do I want my family life to look? Okay. What is this going to look like? What do I want it to feel like? And how can I make that happen? So much of our spending is is time is on our homeschooling budget what we're going to buy to homeschool i i think we don't spend enough time reflecting on what we want life to look like so it's something that i think is really important for parents to spend some time this time of year when school wraps up during your summer months is what do i want the day to look like start with a clean slate don't assume that because you did something last year you have to do it next year start with a clean slate what would i like it to look like how many right. days a week do I need at home? How much time do I need to uh, work with each child? How do, how do I want to be reading together as a family? How do I want this to look? How can I streamline my meals? Those kind of questions are really important. And just to sort of brainstorm, talk to other moms, but write things down so that you can go into the year thinking, okay, this is how I'd like it to look. What we're dealing with a lot in our life is is kind of crisis intervention, especially as parents, right? We're sort of, every day is, is we're just dealing with multitude of crises. Many of those crises are things that could be uh, mitigated if we were spending time thinking about how we could avoid those. A lot of crises are avoidable. But if we don't spend any time thinking about how we can avoid those crises, then what would life look like? What would life look like if I if I cut down on the number of toys the kids have? If I make sure I have some pre-planned easy breakfasts or if I planned mm -hmm. breakfast the night before? Uh, if we did less things, if I made sure I was home three days. For me, the magic number was three days a week. I needed three days a week where I did not go out in the car. Otherwise, my life fell apart, didn't get schoolwork done, didn't get housework done. And I just right. felt like I was scrambling all the time. That's not, you know, the magic number, but it was my magic number. We, we stay home until three o'clock every day and any activities we plan have to be after two o'clock or three o'clock or, or whatever. But spend some time reflecting on what you want your life to look like and how you can make that happen. Maybe you do a four day week. Okay, I'm going to, on the day, I, we're going to do school four days a week. I'm going to have a planned day off every week where I, we do our catch-up, where we catch up on tidying up, where we catch up on cutting up the vegetables for snacks for the week or uh, putting a couple of meals in the freezer so I don't have to spend so much time cooking or, or whatever right. it is. Four days a week, and a lot of people work on a four-day-a-week schedule with the idea that that fifth day is where you get some things done so that you can uh, so that your four days can go a lot more smoothly yeah so I think it's something kind of overlooked do you have other questions I went off on a big tangent there but do you have any other questions 
So those are the questions I came up with and I thought of something to ask and then I forgot it. So okay, hopefully it'll right. come back. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. I think that one of the ways just sort of in the terms of assessing your life and figuring out what it is you need for next year. I was just sort of thinking about this this morning when you told me what the topic would be is that if we think about our day, like literally think, okay, we get up in the morning and what? First, mm -hmm. the first thing we do, maybe we all snuggle on the couch and read a, a story. Then we have breakfast. Then we try and get our schoolwork done. Then we try and go out for a walk or whatever it is your ideal is. How, what does it look like? That's how you can help to make your list for what you need for the school year. That might sound kind of silly, but if I'm going on a holiday, that's what I do. I think, okay, well, I get up in the morning, I brush my teeth, I put my makeup on, I, okay, so I need to pack this, 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 and walk through the day. Okay, I take my vitamins at breakfast. Okay, yeah, I gotta take my vitamins. We're gonna be walking, so I'm gonna need a good pair of walking shoes. You know, I, and that's, that's what I do if I'm going somewhere. But we can do the same thing for our family life. What is the typical day going to look like? And I'll walk through the day, but you can also walk through with each individual kid. Okay, so-and-so is doing this next level of math. So what's that going to look like? Am I going to use the same book I was using last year? Or was that, was I finding that was frustrating? Should I consider doing something else? And always we need to start with the basics, right? So language, math, uh, social studies, science, you know, those are the really basic pieces. If you do stuff beyond that, then you can sort of fit it in as it can be. But, you know, ultimately, if things got cut back to, you know, if you had a crisis, you're going to just cut back to doing the very basics. So that's really the pieces you need to put in first, put the big right. pieces in first. Um, and also, you know, things like, uh, you know, music lessons or whatever. It was super important in our family to have music. So that was something that, okay, well, music is one of the big pieces. So that goes in first. I'm not going to, I might cut out karate or I might cut out something else, but I'm not going to cut out music, right? So what okay. are my big pieces? They need to go in first. Then what, what can fit in around that? Yeah, that's a good idea. It's a good way of looking at it too. And it's, you know, just, I think we just get caught up in the details. And so we, we don't, it doesn't allow us the opportunity to just reflect. And I, I think also we get caught up on what society says is important. You know, we've kind of talked about this in the past when we're talking about you know, the rocks and the little pebbles and stuff. And I think, I think a lot of us are maybe thinking, okay, sports are it, right? And for some families, that might be true. But if we feel like, okay, but we're not having time for family meals because of these sports, there's nothing that says your child has to remain in sports. There's I, one sport, let them try one sport, right. see if they really take to it. You know, we don't need to be in eight different activities per kid. <laughs> right. And, and and that's my point. You know, I'm not, I did all the sports growing up, you know, it's more yeah. so don't let it bog down and stress out the family. Yeah. Be willing, yeah. be willing to adapt to that for sure. I think as homeschoolers too, we can tend to overdo that. I think a lot of that comes from just feeling like, oh, well, they're missing out on other things that are in school. So I'm going to have to make sure that they're in chess club and in music and in baseball and in soccer, you know, and karate. And maybe they need to take a, a second language uh, somewhere outside, you know, the school right. and they need to do their um, parkour course, you know, <laughs> all these things that, that I think we can feel like, oh, well, they get so much in school 
that we need to provide sort of all kinds of extracurricular, right? But we, right. the big piece for most of us, and most most homeschoolers would absolutely agree with this, but they're not necessarily making the choices that's going to make this happen, right? Because we don't, we often don't spend enough time reflecting. For most of us, would be that we have family time, right. however that looks. If that's meals together, or that's time to spend together working in the yard on the weekend or going for hikes or or whatever it is your homeschooling family guaranteed that one of your priorities is to actually spend time doing things as a family that has to be one of the big pieces and we have to you know we have to look at that and sometimes you know as the kids get older especially we have to really look at okay they have these x y and z that they want to do what's reasonable want to give them those experiences we want to we definitely want them to be out in the community doing things that are fun and interesting and making friendships and all of that but where's the healthy balance in it right sure. in a conversation we need to be having with our kids for sure one thing i i thought of when you were talking about that was uh one thing i struggle with is i almost want to be a part of everything all the family activities but then I also need to recharge. And here's an example of what I mean is, you know, my husband finally got himself a bike. And so he'll take the kids on bike rides. And I mean, I can't bike right now. Right. Almost. <laughs> <laughs> You're about to have a baby feel so torn. Like I want to spend time with them doing this fun thing, but it's good for them to be just with their dad. Mm-hmm. And also this gives me time to just breathe. Right. And it's not bad to not be a part of everything. And I know not every mom feels like that. I'm sure a lot are like, no, no, go. I'm good. (laughs) But I think sometimes I struggle with that. You know, I want to do all the things and I don't have time for all the things. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And we, we absolutely need to recharge our batteries and, but it's also really just really good for them to have some time with their dad or over at their friend's house or whatever, you know, those are all good experiences, right? Did you have anything else you wanted to add about prepping? I'm sure we'll have another episode, maybe more about curriculum. Yeah, probably, yeah. One of the things that I sort of jotted down this morning was I thought another thing too, you know, when I when I was talking like in the summertime, when you sort of start with an empty slate, right? Start with, yeah. okay, just because we did something last year doesn't mean you need to do it this year. I also think that about my school shelves. Like I love, one of the things I love to do over the summer is just empty them completely off. Yeah. Just take an afternoon, empty the school shelves off, and only put on those shelves what I want to use next year. Because a lot of times things can sort of build up on our school shelves, you know. Oh, maybe I'll read this. Or, oh, I'm not sure what to do with this or whatever. Clean it off and only put on it what you want for the for the next school year, right? And then with everything else, either put it where it belongs or get rid of it or, you know, recycle it or whatever. But make a decision about it. Don't just stick it back right. on the shelf if you know you're not going to use it next year. So start with a clean shelf. Right. I think my my hang up with that is it's necessary to do and I do enjoy doing it, but I'm always left with what do I do with these books now? Because I think I want to use them again at some point, but do I put them in this fifth grade studies box or do I put right. it in the first grade? And, and so I, that's where I kind of end up feeling kind of disorganized in trying to be organized is right. I don't necessarily know what to do with the books that we decide, okay, we're just not going to 
use these because inevitably I put them in the wrong box and then forget about them until it's too late. Well, you know something that I, I have open shelving in my basement and that's what I do with that stuff so that I can see it. So like I have a, a shelf that's all the science and math books and a shelf that's all the novels we might want to read in the future or whatever. So okay. anything that I think I'm going to use again, I would keep in my basement, but also I want to be able to see it. If I have it in a box, I'm going to forget about it for sure. Right. Okay. Yeah. So okay. there's something to be said for having it visible. <laughs> right. Yeah. So if you think of other questions around this and you want to do another episode, or if any of our listeners have questions that spin off out of this episode, you know, what do I do about prepping for next year or what do I order or when, where do I keep it or those kind of questions, we'd be happy to answer those. You can, of course, submit your questions via Make Joy Normal, my Facebook page or Instagram or my website. You can email me on the contact button on my website. Yeah, we love getting your questions. So if anything comes to mind, don't hesitate to, to forward to us. I guess we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.